Hi, this is Jim Swilly. Welcome to Metron Live. Metron is a Greek word that means sphere of influence. I believe in living your best life possible, and that's the reason for this podcast. This is my Metron. Now let me help you discover yours. All right, y'all ready for the word? All right, ready for the podcast people? She's ready. <laughs> Can I let the nursery say amen? That's okay, dear. You don't don't take those beautiful girls out. Are we still are we still on for dedicating them next month? Um, we're gonna meet you in the park. Okay, cool. That'll be cool. It'll be a nice day. All right. Um, we speak in this atmosphere and we say, "Let there be light." Welcome to the Metron Live podcast, coming to you live from. Well, not coming to you live right now when you're listening to it, but uh, it's being recorded live. How about that? From beautiful, historic Midtown Atlanta, Metron people, would you give the podcast people a big hand? Hello, hello, hello. Uh, I've got a lot to share with you, so I'm going to get right into it. But um, let me give a little segue. Last week, something stayed in my spirit, and I couldn't get rid of it. Uh, So I've I've learned over the years when I keep feeling something just to act on it and stop ignoring it. And it's not that I want to start a late-night show, but a lot of times at 11, 11 p.m. at night, I really have something that I want to say. And I thought, you know, I've got this great resource with Facebook. And I know a lot of y'all by 11 o'clock, y'all, been, y'all already been asleep for two or three hours. Uh, but then there's a lot of you, because I see you when I get up in the middle of the night and I look at my phone, there's people up two, three, four, five o'clock. So, so there's an audience, you know, 24 hours. Um, and, you know, the... With all of the drawbacks with social media, including Facebook, uh, it really offers some things that are kind of amazing, not the least of which is you can go live and do a, a broadcast. It doesn't cost you anything. There's no time limit on it. I mean, that's just that's kind of amazing. So I did it three nights in a row, and it was the like the biggest response. I get more, more uh, viewers on the, these night ones even than the ones I do on Sunday mornings. So um, I don't know, I don't know how long I'm going to ride that wave. Uh, I'm, I'll probably do another one tomorrow night and just kind of see how it goes doing weeknights. But um, the reason I'm bringing it up, and they're all, if you, um, the hashtag I'm using, it's hashtag JES1111. Like you can't use uh, colons on a hashtag, but uh, it's JES1111, and you can see the three. Several people watched them later and said, I didn't see this live, but it was still a word for me. And um, uh, I really appreciate I don't know if Ed is watching today from up in uh, Knoxville, but I really appreciated what he had to say about it. He said, I love your Sunday morning teachings, but this is kind of like a behind-the-scenes thing. That's it, It's a whole other dimension. And so on um, uh, Friday night, was it Friday night? I talked about um, Jesus on the Mount of Temptation, and I used, which I've taught on this before, and I've used this translation before, but I actually brought out the book and read from it, the Kaboris Manuscript, which is um, Aramaic, the, the language that Jesus spoke. And um, as many times as I've taught on that, I, I actually said some things I'd never thought of until that evening, not the least of which is, you know, it's, it's not that it was... When you look in the original language, it wasn't 
Jesus wasn't being tempted by some this entity with horns and a pitchfork. It was he was dealing with his own thoughts. He was dealing with his own um, self actualization. He spoke to his own thoughts and called them satana. And uh, like I said, well, I've taught on this before, but what would what I hadn't seen before is I'm just looking at it, trying to see it like if I'd never seen it before. And I thought, well, what exactly was the temptation, though? Like, what's the, I like, I understand he was dealing with his own. I mean, it says in the Kabor's manuscript, he was led of his own temptations. In the King James Bible, it says, then Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. In the original language, it says he was led by uprightness into an unprotected state to uh, like sort of deal with his own it's I know it sounds crazy to say Jesus had demons that's not what I'm saying but you know when you say somebody's dealing with their own demons they're dealing with their own negative thoughts it's their own the war in their head so I thought well what what exactly was the temptation and I went back and looked at each of the whether you believe it was a Satan or if you believe it was his thoughts each of the temptations began with the word if if you are the son of God throw yourself down. If you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. If, and I said, oh, that's the temptation. It's the, it's the removal of the if. Because you can't declare I am if you're still asking the question, if I, if I really am that. Like, so thank you, Fred. Um, that's good. And, it, and I said, really, he wasn't, you know, it says he fasted 40 days. I said, I yeah, he probably did fast food, but more importantly, he fasted self-doubt. And the point of the 40 days in the wilderness was to leave there without an if. Like the if had been completely purged out, I am that. This day, this, this prophecy is fulfilled in your ears. But then I went on. to I was thinking of this last night, and I swear I nearly went back on at 11-11. I was like, I've got to say this. Because it's like, you know, when, when uh, Jeremiah said it's like fire shut up in my bones, that's not a good thing. It's like a really bad case of heartburn. Like if I don't, <laughs> if I don't say this, this thing's going to burn me alive. But I thought, no, just save it for in the morning. Save it, save it, save it. So I went on as I was thinking about it, and I'm going to get to the, I've got seven things I want to show you. Um, so I thought then, well, what would be the harm, you know, if he's, if he's trying to figure out who he is, and he's out in the wilderness, he's away from everybody else, what would be the harm just testing it? You know, like, all right, if I am that, let me, let me try to tone, turn these stones into bread. I mean, the scripture does say the angels will bear me up in their hands lest I dash my foot against a stone. What if I jump off and see if, see if I'm saved? And, um, you know, I think if any of us heard that concept, we wouldn't fault Jesus. We'd be like, well, I guess he's trying to test his his miracle working ability because he didn't initiate it. Remember, Mary's the one that sort of drug him into the miracle ministry at the marriage of Cana. She said, you know, these people are out of wine. And he's like, so? <laughs> We're not the caterers. And she turns to the crowd and says, whatever he says to you, do it. And that's when he, he sort of reluctantly turned the water into wine. But as I was thinking about, well, why couldn't, what would be the harm in just, Giving it a shot, you know? Let's see if I can do it. Let's see if I am who the angel said I was. I mean, what's the worst that can happen? Uh, I mean, the worst that could happen if you jumped off the pinnacle of the temple is you could splat on the ground. But what would be the harm in saying, let me just try, you know, there's nobody watching. Let me see if I can, you know, turn the, 
<laughs> See if I can turn the, for those of you listening to the podcast, I was doing Samantha twitching her nose. And then it occurred to me, and this is where this teaching is coming from today. I thought, well, he, he, never, could do just, he never could do miracles just for the sake of the miracle. The miracles were always, um, the catalyst was the need of people. Like, turning the water into wine wasn't a magic trick. It was meeting the needs of people who called on him. And I thought, that's a completely different thing. It's not miracles trying to show off that I have magical powers. It's miracles for a purpose. Miracles are to meet the needs of someone. Huh? I thought that was, don't make me like that 1111 crowd better than y'all. Because they go crazy over this kind of stuff. Anyway, let me... This is what led me to my teaching today, the title of which is um, uh, Creating Positive Energy in a Negative World, Karma, Sowing and Reaping, and the Power of Random Acts of Kindness. Now, just stay with me because I'm, I'm going to say some things I haven't said before that I think are really important. Let me go ahead and give you this scripture. This is, this is Acts 10.38 in the New King James Version, okay? And it says, just very simply, it says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power who went about judging people and telling people to behave themselves and obey the law. That's not what it says? How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about petitioning his, his uh, elected officials to make sure they regulated righteousness. Is that what it says? Huh? <laughs> Do I need a new prescription? Is that what you're saying? How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Who went about doing good? You can't turn bread or stone into bread if there's nobody that needs the bread. Do you understand? You don't just do it because you're magical. You do it because somebody's hungry, okay? So he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Let me show this to you in the Jonathan Mitchell New Testament, which is entirely too wordy, but what I love about it is he picks up every little nuanced possibility of a meaning in the original Greek. This is Acts 10.38 in the JMNT. Jesus, the one from Nazareth, even as how God anointed him with a or the set-apart breath effect or Holy Spirit or sacred attitude. Like in the original Greek, the Holy Spirit is not given, um, like the concept of the Trinity is, it doesn't exist in the original Greek. And I'm, don't freak out on me. I'm just saying that, you know, in the original Greek, the Holy Spirit is, is it's like, in Star Wars, saying, may the force be with you. The Holy Spirit is a sacred attitude. It's not, uh, it, it's an it, not a he, okay? And I know that's contrary to everything I was taught in Bible scholars. Not, that's what y'all taught in the apostolic church. But that's what, that's what those people who were what we call Jesus only, that's what they were picking up on. The Holy Spirit is not a, a third person. The Holy Spirit is, it, it's Jesus saying, I need to go away and come back to you as Spirit as breath effect, okay? Do you understand why it's important that we've combined meditation with the teaching of the Gospels? 
Spirit and breath, breath and spirit, they're the same thing. Okay? The breath effect or Holy Spirit or sacred attitude, even for or with power and ability, who went throughout repeatedly doing works, bringing goodness, ease, and well-being, as well as constantly healing all the folks being continuously held down or under the power or tyrannized and oppressed by the one that cast things through folks, the accuser, slanderer, adversary, because God was with him. In the original Greek, adversary isn't a specific entity. It's not a, it's not a devil somewhere that's trying to, you know, tempt people and destroy people. The, the adversary is anybody who's adversarial. Like, have you ever had somebody in your life who was like, this person's like the devil? <laughs> You're like, don't get, me, don't get me started. It's because they were, in that sense, they were so adversarial to you, they might as well have been demonic, Okay? doesn't mean they were demon-possessed in the conventional sense. It just means they were the adversary. I've known many devils. <laughs> um, so let me tell you why this is important. Um, well, let me, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I want to make sure I get all of this said, so let me just knock out this outline, and then I want to explain things to you. All right. The third thing I want to show you, this is Wikipedia's definition of the word karma. Let me tell you that karma is not typically a, a word that you hear in Western Christianity. It more comes from the Eastern religions like Hinduism, Buddhism. Uh, a lot of people use that word and throw it around. They're not really using it in its original sense. But let me just show you what the, this definition is. Uh, karma in Sanskrit means an action, work, or deed and its effect or consequences. Uh, in Indian religions, the term more specifically refers to a principle of cause and effect, often descriptively called the principle of karma, wherein intent and actions of an individual cause influence or individual cause or influence the future of that individual effect. Uh, good intent and good deeds contribute to good karma and happier rebirths, while bad intent and bad deeds contribute to bad karma and bad rebirths. You say, Bishop, is that talking about reincarnation? Yes, that's what, in its original context, that's, that's the idea of karma. That, you know, if you don't do good deeds, you'll come back as, you keep coming back as somebody else or an animal or something until you, until you finally get it right. Like the point of having past lives is to purge out uh, all of the indifference in you until you start doing good deeds. Don't go out of here and tell that I'm, teaching reincarnation because that's not what I'm teaching. However, in a spiritual sense, we do die and are reborn fairly regularly. I don't believe the new birth uh, is, is a one-time event. I mean, there's situations where you've basically died and come back as another, as another person, okay? You understand what I'm talking about? So in that, you know, the word incarnation, carne, it's like, like somebody's a carnivore. It means they're, they're in, you know, a physical body. If you're a carnivore, you eat meat. So an incarnation, carnality, car all that has to do with human form. So I know I've been through things in my life that completely changed me to the point that I look back something I wrote 30 years ago, and I think, that doesn't even sound like me. That doesn't even sound like what I would, how I would talk now uh, because I'm not that person. Um, so I believe... Let me give you a Christian version of the karmic principle. Matthew chapter 25. 
Jesus says, uh, I was hungry and you fed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was in prison and you visited me. And remember, there's two groups of people. And one said, when did we ever see you hungry or naked or in prison? And he says, when you, when you did it under the least of these, my brethren, you did it unto me. All right? So the ones who had been indifferent to the suffering of the least of these, th that's where the concept of dividing the sheep from the goats, okay? And it says that the goats were cast into, it's the Greek word is P-U-R, poor. It's translated fire, but it, the fire in the Gospels is never used uh, punitively. It's always used purgatively. It's always to, to purge something out of you, not to punish you. So when... Um, uh, he says, those of you who are on my left, on the goats, you'll be thrown into the fire. He's not saying that he's sending them to hell. He's saying, if you're insensitive to the suffering of people, the thing's going to come around and it's going to burn that pride out of you. Nothing will burn pride out of you like um, judging somebody else and then the very same thing happens to you and you're like, uh, you know what? Like, remember, remember before you had children what an expert in child raising you were? You remember when somebody else's baby wouldn't shut up and you're like, I tell you one thing, when I have children, no child of mine is going to act like that. And then one day you're out in the mall and that kid has a meltdown and screaming and you can't do anything. They haven't eaten and they haven't had a nap and they got issues going on and people are looking at you like, why don't you shut that kid up? And you're like, and you remember, oh, I might need to come off my judgmental high horse. Uh, parenting is not easy and it doesn't. Parenting doesn't come with rule, with rule books. And um, so basically that's what he was saying. He's saying he didn't use the word karma because it was he, you know, he was speaking Aramaic and it was written in Greek, but it's the same concept. He's saying the fire will burn uh, that person out of you that didn't care about people until you become a caring individual. This is why, you know, ever since they closed the... Um, uh, shelter over there on Peachtree and Pine, little by little, the homeless people have been sort of just finding their way over to the underpass next to my building. And, uh, you know, the first few that set up camp, I was like, well, God bless them. And then when, you know, when it's every few days, there's more tents up and you walk by and people are out peeing on the sidewalk next to your building. And you're like, oh, because my property values. Um, it's real easy to be like, oh, homeless people, I love you so much. And I'm sorry you don't have a place to go, but could you please not be next to my building? Could you please go somewhere else? Like, you know, what about all those shelters I've supported over the years? I mean, is it, does that count for anything? And then just as quick, I'll be like, you know, I just need to pray for these people to find a place to go. Because I don't want to, the sheep and the goat is in all of us. The fire burns the goat out of you so that you become one of the sheep. You hear me? Are you bringing me? Thank you, darling. <laughs> so, um. Those of you who listen to the podcast, apparently I just blew a battery. I don't know, but I'm still going. Um, and I don't want to. I, I don't want to send out some bad energy of judging these people, and it brings some negative thing back on me. I'm sure I've shared this with you before, but uh, 
Ken and I went one day in, in the building where I preached my first sermon over there on the corner of Ponce and Piedmont. They have a homeless ministry in there now. And we went to a fundraiser one day, and this woman spoke. And I've been doing, I mean, I was ministering at the Union Mission and Safe House. I mean, I've, I, I, and on a regular basis, I'm constantly feeding, uh, you know, indigent people. I mean, that's, it, I just never believed Jesus will ever look at me and say, I was hungry and you fed me not. Because I'm like, I don't know, Jesus, you were kind of all over Midtown Atlanta. I remember, <laughs> I mean, I fed you a lot. Um, but. I remember this woman, what is that, that wasn't good enough? All right, we're trying it again. How about that? Is that better? All right. So this woman uh, spoke at this luncheon, and she said, um, she was talking about how, she's talking about her education, her degrees, uh, the high-profile job that she had where she was making six figures. She said, nobody was more judgmental of homeless people than me because I would look at them and think, look, if I got, if I pulled myself up and got myself together, y'all could go get a job, whatever. So she said, I would just drive through and judge people right and left. Like, how dare you, you know, sleep out here on the sidewalk, you know. I've had hard times too. And she said, Without going into a lot of detail, just a few things happened, one thing after another. And she said, before I knew it, I was living on the sidewalk. She said, I am the last person in the world I would have ever thought that would have happened to me. But she said, it just happened. I didn't have any family. Boom, boom, boom. One thing after another happened. I lost my house. And she said, it, she said I'm telling you, nobody judged homeless people more than me. And there I ended up homeless. So that's why every time I drive under the underpass, I'm like, God bless them. Thank you. They're finding a home. Y'all hungry? Y'all need anything to eat? Because I don't want to judge them and get thrown into the fire. Not going to hell, but, if, you know, I don't want you to see me one day on the sidewalk. We'll teach the Gospels for food. <laughs> what happened to you? You used to... You used to have stuff like, well, I don't know. I used to drive under this underpass and judge these people, and I'm in the fire. So, uh, and let, well, let me finish this so I can say this stuff. The next thing, this is Galatians 6, 9. This is in the New International Version, where it says, Let us not become weary in doing, in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Now, let me just say, if you came out of sort of traditional Christianity or evangelical Christianity, or um, you were probably taught a lot about being saved by grace and not by works. And there was so much emphasis put on that that there was hardly any emphasis ever put on doing good. You know, that's why James came along because Paul's like, it's not by works, you're saved by, saved by grace and faith. And Paul was like, well, yeah, but faith that works is dead, you know. I mean, James. James came and he said, yeah, but you still got to do good stuff. True religion and undefiled is to keep yourself, is to visit the widow and the orphan and to keep yourself unspotted from the world. And if you really, I don't have time to get all into it, but I, I can tell you this, through the gospels and the epistles there's just as much about people bringing their works to heaven and your works being tried by fire and being judged by your works just as much as if not more people being saved because of the blood of jesus do you understand like there's there's plenty new testament uh argument to be made for 
people who do good stuff go to heaven. And that sounds contrary to we're saved by grace and not by works. Y'all still with me? That's why today, if you, this is a, I'm painting with a broad stroke here. But if you go in the typical charismatic church, uh, Pentecostal church, Baptist church, evangelical church, I guarantee you if you did a study, you'll hear the preacher talk a lot more about sin, getting rid of sin, be holy. Uh, in a lot of churches, you'll hear about abortion and gay rights. You'll hear about politics. You'll hear about anything that you hardly ever hear people telling you to go do good stuff for people. It's mainly don't sin and a, a, a huge preoccupation with sex sin. But very little encouragement to do good stuff for people. Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed. I heard a comedian uh, say something that was very, this made me laugh. He said, I tell you, um, I never believed in God and kind of always considered myself an atheist, but I was on a plane recently and turbulence hit that thing and I thought that plane was going to go down and the first thing I wanted to do was take away rights from gay people. <laughs> because that's some people's concept of God. Just want to make sure everybody's holy. You holy? You holy? Who you sleeping with? What you wearing? You know. And I don't know, but did you do any good? No, no, no. It's like... We just want to know, are you holy? Are you holy enough to go to heaven? Well, I don't know. When Jesus said, I was hungry and you fed me, he didn't say a thing about holiness. He didn't say, well, I was hungry, but that skank that came brought me food wearing that miniskirt, I thought, I'm not taking no food from you, Jezebel. No, he just said, I'm hungry and somebody fed me. Jesus was such a terrible Christian and a horrible evangelist because all the stuff that most people emphasize, Jesus never even talked about. It wasn't even on his radar screen. And then the stuff that he really did care about hardly ever gets mentioned. So um, let me show you this next uh, uh, verse. This is Matthew 5.16, also in the New International Version. It says, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may know who you're having sex with. And glor That's not what it says? No, it says, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see, you, that they may see your good deeds. That they may see what you are doing, not what you are believing. He didn't say, speak in tongues so that they may hear your prayer language. He says, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So when people say, well, I don't, want, I don't want anybody to see what I'm doing. Well, that's contrary to what Jesus said. Jesus said, go do stuff. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, that you love one another. Did you all ever hear that? that great sermon that Mother Teresa preached about transsexuals, it was really powerful. No. 
<laughs> you did not. Because Mother Teresa was feeding people on the streets of Calcutta. It's like the other stuff she was not preoccupied with. Why? Because there was so there was so much, so many stones that needed to be turned into bread. Do you understand? The need stimulated the desire. <laughs> Y'all gotta stay with me. <laughs> but you know, those of you who are nursing mothers, you know what it's like when a, when your baby cries and it, the the cry sometimes the cry of another baby can stimulate and cause your milk to come in. It's the craziest thing. Milk doesn't just come without a need for it. It's the demand on it that causes your body to respond. Jesus felt that virtue went out of him. Or when he saw the multitudes, he had compassion upon them. And then um, uh, number six, this is an um, important verse. And I'm, I just picked a few out randomly. I mean, there's so, I could give you many, many more. This is uh, Romans 12, verse 20 and 21 in the message. It says, our scriptures tell us that if you see your enemy hungry, go buy that person lunch. Or if he's thirsty, get him a drink. Your generosity will surprise him with goodness. Uh, don't let evil get the best of you. Get the best of evil by doing good. King James says, be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. So basically what he's saying is if you get pulled into the negative vortex of somebody's energy and you're trying to get revenge on them, you, you start spiraling downward. The way to break the... the to create the positive energy in a negative world is to return good for evil, like to do something good for the person, uh, that you send out that kind of energy. And then I'll show you this one other uh, quote, and I'm going to talk to you for a minute. This is Etienne de Grelais. Did I pronounce that correct, Sophie? I always check my French accent with my daughter-in-law. Uh, he says... Um, uh, I shall pass this way but once. Any good that I can do or any kindness I can show to any human being, let me do it now. Let me not defer nor neglect it, for I shall not pass this way again. And you've, you've probably heard that or some version of that quote before. All right. Now, um, there's this concept among church people, ministry people. Have you ever heard scriptures like... Um, Touch not mine anointed and do my prophets no harm. Have you ever heard anybody quote that? A lot of uh, ministers use that. That's their, that's their panacea. It's their get out of jail card. It's like, I can do anything, say anything, and if you call me on it, I'm like, time out. Touch not mine anointed, do my prophets no harm. I mean, I've probably used it before. It's just, a, it's just this great safety place for ministers. Like, if you, if you hurt God's anointed, something bad's going to happen to you. So I've been, I was thinking about this the other day, and I'm going to be careful how I say this because I, I need to say this as truthfully as I can. Um, over the years in ministry, I've had people do stuff to me, you, you know, use me, betray me, whatever, and sure enough, some really bad stuff happened to them, bad enough that I didn't even rejoice over it when I heard it. When I heard this negative thing happen to them, I'm like, yikes, I didn't want that to happen. I just wanted you to stop posting stuff about me online or lying about me or whatever. I didn't, I didn't mean for that to happen. And it makes you think of these stories like um, when Moses was in the wilderness, he and Miriam and Aaron were kind of like the, the leadership of 
of the uh, of the community. And um, Moses apparently hooked up with this Ethiopian woman and brought her back to the camp. So Miriam was like, Moses, you're the one that told us not to not to marry outside of the covenant. We're, we're only supposed to be with our kind. And you come bringing this African woman in here? Like, what? And she pointed the finger at him saying, you shouldn't have done this. And she's doing it on his word. He's the one that said, we've got to keep our bloodline pure. And then he meets, you know, apparently once you go black, I guess. Because <laughs> he brings this Ethiopian woman and he's like, you know, we're together now. And Miriam's like, you shouldn't have done that. And when she did, her arm turned to leprosy. And God comes and speaks to Miriam and he says, why were you not afraid to speak to my servant Moses that way? He said, to everybody else, I'll speak, uh, what does he say, face to face, but to Moses, I'll speak mouth to mouth. In other words, I, Moses is my business, not your business. And it's kind of a touch not mine and only do my prophets no harm kind of thing. And it was, you know, the rest of the story, Moses felt bad because that's his sister and he prays for her uh, healing and she does get healed. But needless to say, she made peace with her, her African sister-in-law because she's like, like, I'm good. What's your name? Tell me how to pronounce that. It's all good. I don't know how to make Ethiopian food, but if you'll just you know, hook me up with a few recipes. I'm sure, you know, <laughs> I'm sure we can, you know, what, what, you want me to wear some African garb? What you got? I'm good with it. What, how do, how do Ethiopians do their hair? Yeah, she, you know, she's like, just don't turn me to, le I mean, leprosy was horrible. Leprosy, I mean, your arm would fall off with leprosy and there's no, uh, there's no hiding it. It's not only, does, it's not like you get cancer. Leprosy is, you got to, we can't have you in the camp anymore. You're kicked out. What happened? Well, Moses and his African girlfriend, I said, settled something about it. And apparently God didn't like it. So again, you can draw these scriptures to say, don't ever mess with God's anointed or something bad's going to happen to you. And then there's another story of, um, uh, was it I think it's Elijah, who was bald. And some boys made fun of his baldness. And when they did, bears, I think it's the only time you ever hear bears mentioned in the Bible, bears come out of the woods and eat the boys. Which I'm like, really? <laughs> I mean, that's a little over the top. A bald joke? Bears eating your children? I mean, that's a little over the top. I mean, <laughs> like, you know, and I've heard some ministers kind of imply that if you, you know, you don't want bears to eat you, your, your um, arm to turn to leprosy. So you kind of have this safety place, like, la, 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 I'm God's anointed. I can do anything, say anything, and you can't say anything about it or something, you know. Or somebody drop a house on you, too, it's, it's, to quote the... Wicked witch. Um, now, I was thinking about this this week, and I thought, I mean, I'm telling you, I could tell you stuff that's happened to people, and I could make a very compelling case. I could tell you stories without embellishing them. Some things I've never even told publicly of things that have happened to people to where, I, like, when it happened, it was so sobering. Oh, my God, I didn't want that to happen to them. 
But I don't believe that there's this God somewhere in heaven that's just arbitrarily punishing people because somebody criticized somebody who was in the ministry. I don't believe that. I certainly don't believe a ball joke is worth you know, merits bears eating you alive. Did you ever see, what was that movie with DiCaprio, The, the Revenant? Oh, my God. I mean, come on, God. I mean, a bear is going to eat me from making a ball joke? I mean, how about just like a rash or something? I mean, can I just get a, can I get a flat tire? Really? I just don't think the, the punishment fits the crime. It was a ball joke. What the heck? Well, touch not mine anointed. Do my prophet's hair no harm. And um, so I could, if I wanted to, and it could, I could do it manipulatively, I could tell you some stuff that's happened that, was it coincidental? I don't know. You know, I remember uh, when the first Baptist, this is so long ago, nobody in my current world would even know about this, but the first, uh, bye bye, love you, see you tonight. Um, the first water baptism I ever did at what became Church in the Now. I was out in a, a lake. I baptized several people, and I was standing on the dock before I walked into the water doing a little teaching about baptism. And this guy came up behind me and pushed me into the water, fully clothed. And it was like really awkward, you know. It's not that I'm a bad sport. It's just that I'm in the middle of a sermon, and somebody pushes me in the water. And everybody's like, I mean, I was going to get in the water anyway. I wasn't going head under. But uh, it, it just it kind of messed up the whole baptismal service. It's like we never sort of could recover from it. Because, like, and he was a practical joker or whatever. And then sometime later, somebody said, hey, you remember that guy that pushed you in there? Yeah. Well, somebody shot and killed him in his driveway. He was walking out. And I said, well, it wasn't me. I didn't send a hit. I mean, I was like, don't connect those dots. And I've had those kind of things happen over and over and over again over the years, many of which I've never told because it just feels manipulative. And I don't believe in a God that's, I mean, he shouldn't. It was disrespectful for him to do it, but he didn't deserve getting shot and killed for it. So it, is it a stretch to connect those dots? Yeah, but I'd be lying if I said I didn't think about it. And, you know, is it because he pushed me in the water? No, he was probably the kind of guy that did stuff like that all the time in his life, and it finally did catch up with him. I don't think it was arbitrarily just because of me. Now, what's this got to do with the doing good? All right. The last few days, I've been trying to make sense of it because, like, I don't believe in a God who punishes people. But I've had a lot of stuff happen. Um, some of which I won't even tell because some of you would, you know, kind of figure out who I'm talking about. But, I mean, it's a, a lot. So I was thinking about it this week, and I thought, why is that? Because it's, I've had enough of stuff like that happen that I could say, don't. You know, don't mess with me because bad stuff happens to people that do. But I don't want to say something like that. But then I thought, well, why is that? And I, and this is what came to me. I thought, you know, I've been doing good my entire life. I mean, I've been in the ministry 50 years. And even before I was officially in the ministry, I was always working in my dad's church. I went over Friday and looked at a church that he built in uh, West Georgia. And I, I was looking at the architecture and I remember the first day that the beams arrived because it was they built it in the summer between my 
fifth grade and sixth grade year. And I worked every day in the construction and loved it. I mean, I, for whatever I could do at that age, I could carry stuff and, you know, help people out. But I, I always did that. Was it always motivated properly? No. Some of the good that I've done, was it job-related? Absolutely. Um, I can't tell you that everything has been out of just this philanthropic heart. But what I do believe is when you've been putting good out for so many years, you create so much positive um, energy that when somebody comes against it, it's not a God somewhere that's zapping them. It's, it's like a cause and effect thing. It's like when you come against uh, someone who's really doing good for whatever reason, uh, it can snap back and hurt somebody. Do you understand what I'm saying? So that if somebody's really a good deed doer, you need to let them do their thing and not even judge their motives or whatever because they're, they're doing the work. I've been watching, uh, it was just the 25th anniversary of uh, the death of Princess Diana, Lady Di. And uh, I've watched two or three documentaries about her. I've, I always end up watching everything about the royal family or the Kennedys or the Kennedy assassination. There's just certain things I, I'll just always end up seeing what they had to say about it. And there's a lot of um, conjecture about what her motivation was because, you know, after her divorce from Prince Charles, she sort of reinvented herself and became what they called the people's princess. And she would go, you know, long, but, but when nobody else was doing this, she would go meet AIDS patients and hug them and put, and put children with AIDS on her lap and kiss them. This is back when people thought AIDS was airborne and they were, you know, it, it, it really was very impactful. And she would go into places in Africa where, there, where children had, had legs and arms blown off because of uh, mines. And she did a, I mean, she did a lot of really great work. Now, many of her detractors say, oh, well, she was just doing that because um, she was trying to rehabilitate her image because, you know, as an adulteress or whatever. Well, I don't know. I mean, she's kissing people with AIDS. I, I think maybe you ought to leave that one alone. Do you know what I mean? Well, I just think her motive was bad. I don't, I don't know. How many AIDS patients have you kissed today? None. Well, then shush. You don't know. Do you understand what I'm saying? I think the force of doing good is so powerful that even if you are doing it for the wrong reason, it's still powerful. It still helps people. It still motivates people. It still meets a need. And so I don't think that I can just do anything. I, can't, I just can't go like, oh, Keith, you can't do anything to me because touch not my anointing. I don't believe that. But I also believe, I don't know, I do a lot of good stuff and have for a long time. So, you know, stay in your lane, let me stay in mine. And I say the same thing for you. Like anything that you've done, I don't think any good deed is wasted. Even if you weren't perfectly motivated by it. Even like there's people that I've had to go visit over the years. Like <laughs> Judah and I sometimes will compare notes with, you know, things that happen in the ministry and I said, I remember years ago, this couple that used to come to the church, and they called me for everything. They, they didn't join the church, certainly didn't support financially, went to a Methodist church, but they called me. For, I, I don't mean just call for prayer. I mean, come dedicate our house when we bought it, dedicate our business. I mean, I, I was, 
I was dedicating stuff all the time. And one day I asked them, they said, bring your bottle of oil and anoint all the doors. And one day I said, what, you know, I'm, I'll do this, but why don't you ask your pastor? I mean, you have a pastor. Oh, he wouldn't understand stuff like this, you know. And, they, you know, they're calling me in the middle of the night while their pastor's over there snoring. I'm like, really? And uh, one day the guy took me to lunch and I said, can I just ask you something? I don't mean this in a negative way, but y'all call me for everything. But you go to this other church and support that church. Like, what? why don't you just join the church? Because it seems like I'm your pastor. He said, oh, you don't understand. Our friends wouldn't understand us going to a place called Church of the Now. He said, that would get your, your way too flamboyant and everything for them to, you know, we come from a very, you know, upscale uh, Ivy League world. And I'm like, no, you did not just say that to me. And after that, I felt set free. Like the next time they called me, I said, here's your pastor's number. <laughs> Since, you know, I don't want to be your whore that, you know, meets you, meets you at Motel 6, you know, when you're married to what's his name over there at First Methodist. You know, I'm tired of the spiritual booty calls. That's all you want from me? Uh-uh. You're not wanting to put, you ain't going to put a ring on it. Go call him. I'm tired of being your skank. And so now, I mean, stuff like that does. One thing I posted yesterday, I said, I want to thank you for these eight years. They've been the most uh, rewarding, fulfilling, and drama-free years. All of this stuff that I'm talking about, this was pre-Metron. I don't have, I don't deal with any of this nonsense now. And I'm more comfortable in my skin enough now just to say, no, I mean, I recently, <laughs> I recently blocked somebody, not because they're a bad person, but because they don't come to Metron and they ask me for stuff every day. They even asked me, Shonda, they, like, like you work for me, I need you to come out and do this thing and bring Shonda Corelli and sing for it. And this is after they've asked me for a ride to Meditation Weekend and to pay for their hotel. And, and you know, I, I'm just like, Shonda doesn't work for me? So I'm just like, Shonda, you got to get, you know, and I just, it was too hard to explain. And they've asked for free books. And I, I said, Avery, if they call you, just give them, find out what we got. And so, but then after a while, I'm like, you know, you're stressing me out a little bit. I'm like, I don't, I don't, you don't know me like that. And it was just easier. If I block you, it may just be because I love you and I don't want to hate you. <laughs> like, if I can, if you keep this access with me, I'm going to not like you anymore. And I'd rather remember you. I know you, you know, I'm, I'm sure you mean well, but no, let's, we can't, I can't do that anymore. Um, uh, and if I, if this person is watching, you know, please don't be offended. If you make a big deal about it, people will know I'm talking about you, so you might better keep a low profile. I'm just saying, uh, now I've learned that no is a complete sentence. But the point is, I look back uh, at things that have happened with, well, I've told you this story before. None of this applies to y'all. You know, I love y'all. But there was another couple that same kind of thing used to call me for everything. And I'm like, why do you call me when you go somebody somebody else's church? It's just, it, it used to kind of be a thing in my life. And this one night, I mean, they had called me for everything. They called in the middle of the night for every little ache and pain to pray for them. And uh, one day, 
this is back when the church, when it was still called Georgia Baptist Hospital. They called because he was in intensive care for something, and they said, she, the wife calls you, you've got to come by and pray for him. Okay, and I can tell you, I was not going with a good attitude. I know you're shocked. <laughs> but it wasn't like, I was like, yay, they called me again. And I was just like, oh, here we go. So I'm running late for an appointment. I park someplace that I, I thought, I hope my car didn't get towed here because there was no parking around there. I go in there, and he's hooked up to stuff. And uh, I said, hey, your wife called. Just wanted me to pray for you. Like, okay, thank you. So I go. <laughs> I should tell this again. But as I go to pray for him, he flatlines. It's like it's going beep, beep, beep. And then it goes beep. And I thought, no, you did not just die on me. I do not have time for this. Now, I wish I could tell you this. I had a good motivation. It wasn't like I was, this is my chance to raise somebody from the dead. No, I was pissed off. I was like, you have got to be kidding me. I was, you know, you planned this. Get up here and die on me. And now I got, to, I, got to, I got to bury you and do all this other stuff. And something came up out of me. And I said, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, live. And he goes, boop, <laughs> boop, boop. <laughs> he said, what just happened? And the nurses are coming in. They're, they're doing stuff. And, uh, you know, they said, he's, he's not breathing, but he's breathing again now. And they said, I said, you know what? Y'all are real busy. Let me get out of your way so you can take care of everything. And I'm like very carefully walking out. I never heard from them again. But I, I walked out thinking, I think I just raised somebody from the dead with a bad attitude. I don't think I could have done it any other way. I think if, she, if he had died and she said, please come raise him from the dead, I'd be like, you know what? To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Let's not, let's not bring him back. But I was, it just caught me at such a bad time that something came up in me. You know, like, uh, did you ever see the movie Ghost? You know, like when, when, um, when uh, uh, Patrick Swayze is asking that other, the older ghost, how do you move stuff? And he says, you have to get really mad about something. I mean, I got really mad, and I, I think I raised that guy from the dead. <laughs> the point is, it was badly motivated, but it produced good results. So this is what I want to leave you with. Um, if you feel depressed and anxious, I'm telling you, I mean, there's certain things. I'm not telling you not to take your medications or whatever. There's certain things you can do, go for a walk, do whatever, that are definitely mood elevators. But can I tell you one thing that definitely is? Go do something good for somebody. Especially if you're in a season where you're very self-absorbed and feeling sorry for yourself, nothing will break it quicker than you going, doing something good. Even if, hear me out, even if you're doing it for yourself. Do you understand? It's still a good deed. All good deeds matter. So it says Jesus went around doing good. I remember um, when Jesus Christ Superstar first came out, it was considered so controversial and people would preach against it. And I always loved it. And, uh, but there's a, uh, there's a scene in it where all the people are coming to, it's uh, 
See my son, I can hardly walk. See my eyes, I can hardly see. And all these people are like crawling all over Jesus. Won't you heal? Won't you heal me, Christ? You remember, yeah, you were in it. Uh, um, Chandra did a gospel version of Jesus Christ Superstar. And, and Karen gave uh, Ken and me tickets to see a, a recent uh, production of it. But there's a place in it where he's just being you know, mobbed by the people, and he says, heal yourselves, and everybody was so scandalized by that, and I thought, well, Jesus was as human as he was divine. I don't doubt that he probably did feel that way at some time, but then he would still heal the person. I mean, you can see the the Syrophoenician woman says, my daughter is uh, has a demon, and he says, why should I give the bread to the dogs? She said, well, even the dogs get the crumbs from the table, and he goes, all right, for this saying, your daughter is made well. So it's, it's kind of like he went into it reluctantly. I feel like God's blessed me reluctantly before. You know, it's just like, all right. You know what I've prayed before? It's been a long time, but I remember one time praying. I said, you know what, God, all these people think I represent you, and if this bad thing happens to me, it's going to be a reflection on you. It's going to look like you couldn't deliver me from this thing. And I got results from it. I can't, I can't build a, a teaching off of it, but I'm saying sometimes <laughs> that's the way you got to pray. God's going to, I'll be okay, but you're going to look bad if you don't, <laughs> if you don't deliver me. And, and it worked. I got deliverance. I'm not, should you pray that way? I don't know. Work out your own salvation. What I am saying is we've got to, if there is such a thing as being a Christian, a follower of Christ, We've got to get back to the emphasis on people doing good. Because if you're going to, look, um, I believe in capitalism. I believe in free enterprise. I believe in uh, all those things that in many ways made America strong financially. I'm not saying I believe in socialism, although we already have quite a bit of form of, of social, I mean, paying taxes is socialism. If you call the cops or the fire department, that's socialism because it, it, that means everybody puts something in the, through their taxes and, and we pay for things or if your kids are in public school or whatever. Um, I will tell you this, if you're going to use the Bible to support your um, ideology, the, the Bible is going to be much more conducive to helping the poor, helping the indigent, helping the foreigners, like the foreigners who are coming into your country, give them a place. I mean, all of those things that so many Christians now make a big deal over. I'm like, oh, my better go read the Gospels because Jesus is kind of, he's kind of like that, you know, <laughs> like care about others and lay your life down and somebody asks for your coat, give them your cloak also and uh, I mean, you know, if, if you want to make your statement for capitalism, that's fine. And I don't disagree with you. Just don't use the scriptures for it because, because the scriptures are going to be much more conducive to, you know, we're all in this together, help people out. And, and uh, doing good is, is the highest thing. Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit who went around doing good. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works, even if they're badly motivated. Because <laughs> here's the thing. 
Sorry, I interrupted your applause. I, I got to work on my time. Chandra, you got to help me as a performer. I got to work on my timing because I'm interrupting my applause. I've learned so many. Just observing Chandra on the stage over the years, I've learned so many things. Like, remember that a few years ago you were doing that a, a afternoon jazz thing, and the MC came out, and she kind of yelled at everybody for taking pictures. And, and you could tell it kind of put a, like a whammy, like, like we all like got spanked really hard. And, and Chandra came out and she says, look, go ahead and take a picture. And I was glad she did it because she got the, you got the audience back on your side. Cause we had, you know what I mean? We had all been scolded, you know, we're like, sorry, we just wanted to snap a little. Anyway, I pick up little things like that. Like that was, that was smart. Um, the good deeds are a seed. And if you plant a seed, even with a bad attitude, the seed still produces. So when in doubt, should I do good? Yes, always do good. And I put the emphasis on the word do. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. I would go so far as to say, I've had people sent to me. I could tell something somewhere sent this person across my path to get my mind off of me. Do you know what I mean? It's like I had, I had no choice but to invest in their need because I was being too self-absorbed. And I was like, well, God, God did that. I remember one time, I've, I got to shut up, but one time I was so dramatic, but I was going through something. It's when we were still in the grocery store. And I, I remember going in the sanctuary, and I said, God, I, I want out. I want to quit this church. I want to quit the ministry. I don't like being here. I'm going to move, I'm going to, move to Los Angeles. I'm going to, I, mean, I, I mean, I completely went into the sanctuary and officially quit the ministry. While I'm praying it, I, I hear somebody banging on the glass in the lobby. Somebody please get that. I'm trying to quit the ministry. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> finally nobody would get it so I went and this guy's pounding on the glass I opened the thing and he fell in and grabbed me he said you've got to help me and he started and this whole thing happened where I had to pray for him or whatever and I, I wanted to say you should have got me about 30 minutes ago I've just officially quit the ministry I don't do this anymore but he was so desperate and I remember when it was over with because back then I got him saved and filled the spirit and he'd speak in tongues and gave him money. And we did, you know, we did everything. Bought your house. We did uh, back in the day. And I remember when he left, all fixed, I, I thought, you did that, didn't you? Like, that's the way you got me back in. Now, you didn't send. I just needed a comforting word. I just needed you to say, well done, good and faithful servant. But no, you had to send me crazy drug addict guy. Uh, <laughs> you know, and it's because he pulled on the gift and I had no choice, but like, oh, well, the gifts and callings are irrevocable. Thank you very much. And I want it out. Um, but all of you have been called to that ministry. Do y'all, you get what I'm saying today? Go, you're anointed by the Holy Spirit. Go about doing good. Avery? Oh, totally. Avery said, could Jesus have had a bad attitude about the wine? Totally. To the point, because he says, what does this have to do with me? Like, I don't care. 
You know, it, he could have said, it's the end of the party. They need to quit drinking anyway. And I, to the point, I nearly think he was being absurd when he says, all right, bring me some water. And he makes them bring nearly 200 gallons of water, which to me is him saying, all right, if we're going to do it, go big or go home. I mean, I guess we're going to do it. I mean, that's how I, that's how I visualize that. When he prays, I mean, 200 gallons of wine at the end of a party, at the beginning of a party is a lot. But he provided, and that doesn't even seem like, how does that rank up there with healing the blind and the deaf? Well, it was a human need. Somebody was out of something. And it, it, it's, it's a teachable moment on many levels. But yeah, I totally believe. Jesus, and when you look at the dynamics between Jesus and his mother, they had a complicated relationship. Because he was, con- they were constantly sort of, you know, at each other. Uh, I could I could do a whole teaching on that, but yes, I, absolutely. But he still did. well, you know, even um, in his parable of the unjust judge, he says there's a judge that the you know the woman said she kept saying avenge me, and and he says this woman's going to drive me crazy if I don't if I don't just grant her request, and he's basically saying don't don't come at me this way every time, but sometimes you have to. And sometimes you're just like, I'm not leaving until I get, I'm not leaving until I get results. And I'm sorry that this is a bad time for you, God, but <laughs> I know you got other people, but I need you to pay attention right here. It's just that he generally will bring a crazy drug addict person to knock on your door when you do that and pull you back in the ministry. That's how, that's how he comforts you by making you, but, but when that guy left that day, I was like, I was back in the ministry, you know, I'm like, all right, I guess. I ain't going nowhere. Let's all stand. Did you get anything out of this today? Charles, I was going to do, or BJ, I was going to do meditation, but I I talked too long, so we'll just save it. Save it for next time. Um, Please remain standing, and we'll run this for the uh, giving, the outro, if you will. I love that guy. <laughs> Happy businessman. When you contribute to Metron, you're also donating to the charity or organization of the month. Thank you for your investment. If you have a check, make it to JESM. I don't think Danny's here today, but somebody will be back there to get it. And if you have cash, just pay it forward. Go, go bless somebody. Um, I will see you back here first Sunday of October, okay, but I'll be online uh, between now and then several times, all right? I bless you to do good. I bless you to plant good seeds and that your good deeds come back and bless you. You're blessed when you come in, blessed when you go out. I bless the work of your hands. I bless every good intention of yours and say that good is coming to you because of the force of goodness you're putting out into a negative world. Jesus' name and in my name, I send you forth. Amen. I love you.